Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Paige Easter, and I'm here with my lovely husband and co-host, Benjamin Easter. And today, we're here to talk to you about values-based communication. Yeah, I love this topic. Um, also, we we might use some language interchangeably. So we sometimes talk about nonviolent communication, which is uh, similar to what the values-based communication is. It has It's from Marshall Rosenberg. If you haven't read the book, it's amazing. Highly recommend it. It's one of my top five most recommended books. So there's nonviolent communication and then there's values-based communication, which I think shares a same essential component, which is what we talk about with people. Um, it's just a little bit more focused on what's important and what the meaning-making pieces of these things are. So you'll hear us use both terms and, uh, and I just want to encourage you to read the book because it's really valuable. And uh, in case you are confused about what we're talking about. So why is this important? So what are we, this is so important. I, when I read nonviolent communication, I was in my thirties and I remember feeling a little bit kind of disappointed that it hadn't been given to me sooner. And as I was reading the book and learning about this communication framework, kind of reflecting through my life and thinking about all of these conversations that didn't go well and relationships that weren't able to continue because I didn't have a powerful enough communication tool. Um, So again, just to double click on the value of understanding nonviolent communication, reading that book and using that, I remember thinking like, God, if everybody read this book, how much better the quality of relationships would be in the world in general, in business, in politics, in families. It, it has widespread applications and it's really beautiful. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's for so, s- negotiations, for sale. I mean, it's literally in every human to human interaction, there is some exchange of values that's happening. And I don't mean hmm. value in the sense of money. And we'll kind of draw that distinction in a minute. But I do mean um, we're in every interaction, we're trying to get more of what's meaningful to us in our lives and understanding communication through that lens is really useful for helping you to build these sort of win-win relationships with the people in your lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so let's talk about maybe some of the, some of the principles, what are, what are our underlying pieces? What are we talking about when we, when we say values-based communication? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I definitely want to talk about is like the values themselves, kind of how they work as we're communicating with each other. Um, And then the difference between a request and a demand, because I think at any moment we're always in like we're always trying to get some sort of value met. And there's varying degrees of skill, which with which we try to express that or effectiveness or usefulness. 
Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll we'll do that in a little bit because uh, I want I'll start we'll start with some principles and then also maybe we'll give some some conversational frameworks a, a couple of them, uh, one values based and one from uh, nonviolent communication and we'll see how those how those flesh out. <clears throat> Just in case you want to put some of this stuff into practice before until you've developed the skill maybe a little bit, um, it's useful to have some some kind of formulas or structures for for communicating that way. So let's talk about the principles. Um, the essential principle is like what we just said. I love the way that Marshall Rosenberg talks about nonviolent communication. I think one of the, I don't remember, I was trying to find this quote, but um, it, he talks about it being a, a language of expressing what's alive in you to other people such that they have the opportunity to contribute to what's alive in you. And I just love that. Mm. I love this, just this, I get a warm gooey feeling inside when I think about communicating with other people what's alive in me. You know what I mean? What, what is mm -hmm. like, what's meaningful to you? What gives you spirit? What is your, like, what is your thing that vibrates highly in you? Because that's essentially, uh, you know, I think this is like one of the cheat codes to the universe is if, if you realize that all you're doing every day is trying to meet some value and that everything that you really love about life is because you're meeting the values that you have, you're experiencing your values. And anytime you're really not enjoying your experience of life, it's because some of your values are, are missing or not being honored or something like that. Um, this is mm -hmm. a, just like a really useful framework to start to understand so that you, when you go into these experiences where you want things to be going really well, or you're in an experience where things aren't going as well as you'd like them to, to, to examine the experience, the situation through this lens, like what, mm -hmm. what is important to me that's missing about this situation? Yeah. I love that you asked that question because I think that it is super common that we're asking ourselves, like, what is it that I don't like about this? And we're highlighting the thing that's not going well. And then when we're doing that, we're not able to really figure out a way to get towards what it is that we do want, yeah. which is what I think is so important about values work and the self-reflection that um, <clears throat> facilitates an under, like a, a self-understanding of like what what is it that drives me? What is it that I desire and like and what lights me up? Um, spending time with that can be really useful for people. Totally. So rethinking goals from the perspective of values is really useful because we we think, I think the, the common sense view of goals is that we think we want to get something or be something or have something or do something in the world. And I think that that is sort of, a hollow goal if we're trying to just be, do, and have things, because what we're actually looking for is some experience of the world. We're looking to experience some value of the world. And so rethinking your goals, not in terms of like, what is the thing that you want to have, do, or be, but what do you believe that experience will get you that you haven't been able to get before? So this is probably a good time to talk about the three like what values are in the world, like the, yeah, totally. the three principal qualities mm -hmm. of values. So values have three qualities. They're going to be intrinsic. They happen inside you. They're going to be abstract. You can't touch them. They're abstract and they're going to be universal. So they could happen to anyone in any situation. And so these are things like, um, you know, connection is one of my values. Growth mm -hmm. is one of my values. You, you, you mm -hmm. see, you can't touch them. You can't, if I were to say like my family is one of my values, well, I can touch my family. So my family is getting me to something. Now you might say family is a value um, because it's gonna, that's gonna be a little bit more abstract because um, you 
you could consider a sense of family mm-hmm. when you're alone in the woods. You could have an experience mm-hmm. of family, whether kind or not. of like an a, akin to the concept of connection or something like it. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, community, mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So, so the reason I'm bringing this up and I'm kind of sitting on this for a moment is because all of this communication style stuff is going to be anchored in your understanding of your your developing understanding of your core values and what's important to you in the world Mm -hmm. and understanding and thinking in terms of values. And then when you're interfacing with another person, you're also asking the question, what are they valuing in the world? What is important Mm -hmm. to them in the world? And that, that alone, if you just take nothing else from this, this podcast and you just start thinking of communication in terms of what do I want from this? What is important to me about this conversation and what's important to that person about this conversation? You're, you're, conversations are likely to go up in quality. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it looks like when that's not happening? Like, how does it go unresourcefully? A lot of times, and you'll see this in, um, especially, I see this a lot in couples who argue. A lot of times there'll be like a focus on, obviously we never argue, so... (laughs) There'll be like a focus on, there'll be like a focus on facts. So, um, so you're, we're getting distracted by the, again, the things that are tangible, the things that are not abstract, Mm -hmm. not intrinsic, not universal. Mm -hmm. So we'll start like, but you did this, or, you know, you said this thing Mm -hmm. or like those, those sorts of things are like, that's just not the facts of the situation or blah, blah, blah. So you'll see that stuff, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff a lot. And that can be clues that we're you know, we've sort of lost sight of the values of what's important in the situation and in the conversation. Um, can you think of any other clues? Um, um, I'm being reminded of the concept of a request versus a demand. Mm. And maybe this comes back to some concept of maybe I believe that the world should be other than it is and that you should be behaving other than you are. Um, instead of thinking about, well, this person is behaving this way. So like, what's important to them on the other side of that? And let's take a second and figure out, is that also important to me? Because if so, then we can be working together. And if not, then maybe we either focus our energy on different values or not spend time together. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Request versus demand. So when we're making demands, basically there's a, there's a certain part of autonomy and understanding that human beings are individuals and that they are in charge of their own thoughts and actions and that we are all in charge of our own thoughts and actions. And in fact, those are the only things that we can be in charge of really are our thoughts and actions. And, um, a lot of times what demand language is doing is it's, it's either subconsciously if we're being generous or sometimes consciously it is removing somebody else's choice or power of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or attempting to remove their power of choice. And so we're, we're basically, we're making an ask, but we're doing it in such a way that the person across from you can't say no, that's a demand. Mm-hmm. So if I say, um, you can't talk to me that way, that's a demand. Mm-hmm. If I say, uh, if I, if I ask you to do something, but then if you don't do it, there's going to be emotional consequences and I'm, you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. like what happens or like this or else. Yeah, I'm going to withhold love or something. Yeah. Leave you. Exactly. Yeah. So those are all be, that'll all be like evidence of demands and demands can be very subtle. They can be very subtle. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it can be the, the demand can be based on, or, or my emotions will be, you know, mm-hmm. like when we, when we use language, like that makes me feel mm-hmm. that's subtly demanding language. Okay. Now this is, it's a really common language in the world. And, and yeah. d- just, we'll do this caveat. 
regularly. You're not doing anything wrong when you're using that language, but it might not be as effective as you could want it to be. And we might not be building the kind mm -hmm. of bridge and relationship between ourselves and the people that we want mm -hmm. around us as we could be. So the difference between a request and a demand is a request you can say no to. A request says, hey, listen, I'm a human, you're a human. I have some things that I really like in the world and I'd love to offer you the opportunity to contribute to those things. Would you be interested? Would you be willing? Would you, mm -hmm. is it in alignment with you to contribute to these things in my reality? And then if the person says no, it's like, okay, great. I will go be sure to meet my values some other way in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. that's, that's the difference between request and demand. I want to take a second and just point out what it looks like when somebody makes a demand. And we, we always get choice on whether or not to comply, depending on how severe the consequence is. But I think about um, when somebody makes a demand on me and I'm not really interested in dealing with the consequence. And so I will comply with the demand, but I won't feel very good about it. And I'll do so a little bit begrudgingly or maybe like even with like a bit of guilt or shame. And then... Then I think about from there what that does to the quality of the relationship and then how willing I am to engage with that person when the impact of spending time with them is having this feeling that I don't get to have my values met because I have to do something a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is something that you, you see in relationships that are people would label unhealthy relationships. A lot of times you'll see this kind of a mm -hmm. dynamic where it's like, you have to do this or else, or like, and then we'll have, we'll kind of like be co-creating a reality where one or both partners are showing up as less than they might otherwise want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, that's, I mean, that is an essential part of why we're having this conversation on the shift to freedom podcast is because this is something that gets in the way of people's freedom is if we're playing this totally. game of demanding of other yeah. people or, or making requests. And it's like, if you don't say yes, I'm going to be really sad, you know, I'm mm. like, um, or I'm going to be really angry or whatever those things are. It's like, if there's an, or else that's, that's demand language. And it's just, it's not, yeah. it's not going to be co-created because what you're going to be missing then, by the way, is the other person actually like, really getting creative about how they might be able to contribute to the value in your life. Totally. Right. Yeah. I like to think about, um, making a request as kind of the stage one of entering into a negotiation of outlining, okay, here's what's important to me. Would you be willing to help me contribute in Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication framework? You would then make a request. Like, would you be willing to contribute to my sense of peace by not making noise? And so then it's a request. Like, would you be willing? The person can go inside and decide, am I willing to do that or am I not? And if they're not, they might then enter into a negotiation and offer something else. Like, well, I'm not willing to do that, but I see your sense of peace is really important. How can we workshop this together? Is there a different way that I can help you get that met? Yeah. And actually, <clears throat> I think that it bears mentioning in both the values-based communication and the nonviolent communication methodologies, like the the frameworks here, like the sort of the essential component to both of these is personal responsibility. I am in charge of my life. I am in charge of my thoughts and my actions, okay? And I am in charge of making sure that my values are met. That is not up to you. It is up to me. <laughs> From that place, now I can go totally. out into my relationships and I can make requests of people. I can invite them into contributing in my life from the standpoint of if they say no, 
I will figure out my way of getting my values met. Mm -hmm. That doesn't involve you because ultimately we, I don't, I, I stand for this in my life. I don't want somebody contributing to my reality in a way that actually is out of alignment for them or doesn't feel good for them. Right. Totally. This is, this is actually what I think the, like go real strong, but I think this is the essence of like what rape is, is that we're, we are taking something from someone that they don't want to give in the world And there are varying degrees of that. I know this is very like strong language that we're talking about, but I mean, it's a, this is a continuum that I'm talking about. What we're really, what I stand for in my reality is freedom and autonomy, right? So I want everybody to be making decisions from the place of what they most want in the world. If I have a, if I can figure out a way to invite somebody to contribute to my reality in a way that will also contribute to their reality, that is a win-win. If anything less than that is, is not, I'm unwilling to play in that way. And that's, yeah. and this is a stance that I take and I don't, you know, everybody ha- has their own realities, but I just think this is something worth considering because you, you can get your needs met. That's the, that's the, the importance of values, right? Is that because they are auto- um, abstract, universal intrinsic. and intrinsic, mm-hmm. you can be in charge of them and you can get them met in any situation for yourself. They are feelings that happen inside of you. And those are based on the way that you interface with your reality. So. Um, I guess the, the invitation here is to, to take absolute responsibility for your values in the world, mm-hmm. be in yeah. charge of yourself and, and enter into every relationship and every communication from that place. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought up the idea of personal responsibility. I think that's so foundational to this way of being, this communication like framework. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll give some, some frameworks for <clears throat> how you can start to put this stuff into practice, uh, some techniques mm-hmm. or some linguistic paths. Um, so do you want to talk mm-hmm. about, um, the NVC sort of model for constructing communication from values based? Yeah. So Marshall Rosenberg's framework is a four step communication process. <clears throat> and the first step is to identify the behavior that is unpleasant to you. And so there's a note here to not make a moralistic judgment or an identity judgment about the person by saying, like, you're rude or you're always late, um, because that can be disputed and it's uh, it might put the person on the defense. So but something that can't be disputed is if they said they were going to be at dinner at eight o'clock and they didn't show up at eight o'clock. Now they were late for dinner last night. And so starting there with one irrefutable uh, piece of behavior <clears throat> or instance of behavior. And the point of the this is not step- whether or not it's refutable, I think, as much as it is like the, it is a fact that we can point to in reality so that everybody understands totally. what we're talking about in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so then the second step is to identify the feeling. And I think what's really useful is in I have a worksheet um, from the book And there's just a list of feelings. And sometimes not everybody has the language. So having a list in front of you can be really helpful to figure out, like, what is the feeling that I'm experiencing? Um, And then step three is to identify, Marshall Rosenberg calls them it needs. I like to use the word values. Um, And so then there's also a list of values. So things like peace, connection, um, contribution, collaboration, 
something like somebody being late for dinner might be um, like respect or regard. And so then the fourth step is to identify the request and to make the request. So um, if we start step one to four, it could look something like this. Last night you said you would be at dinner at eight and you weren't there at eight. And when people don't show up on time, I feel um, I feel frustrated because I have an, uh, because I have a value for like feeling respected, feeling like people have a high regard for me. So would you be willing to, if you say you're going to show up at a certain time, would you be willing to show up at that time as a way to contribute to my sense of feeling respected? Yeah. And I, I want to point out, there's a really beautiful thing that happens in that. So it's, it's, uh, this because I language and and uh, this is something that like Marshall Rosenberg really highlights in the book as well mm-hmm. um, because I so uh, so a lot of times we can slip into the, the alternative maybe is a way to kind of demonstrate this it's like um, when when you when people don't show up or when you don't show up for dinner like we'll make it specific when you don't show up for dinner when you say you are I feel frustrated because you can't do that. Like then we're going to get into demanding language, right? Because you, because you, you know, because you make me feel blah, 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 or whatever. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing with because I go ahead. I think that what Marshall Rosenberg calls it, he calls it a, a values judgment versus a moralistic judgment, because now I'm taking my values and I'm imposing it on you. And I'm saying like, it's not okay to show up on time, but that isn't true for everybody. We all have our own loose definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so what we're doing that, and so the formula here, and I just, I'm going to break it out because you, you said this beautifully, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to like kind of give the, the, the formula, the linguistic formula. So it's when X thing happens again, and that's something that we can point to. It's a concrete thing. It's like a very specific example of something. Then I feel, and then you fill, fill out your feeling, whatever feeling you feel. And then because I, and that's that's an important part of this linguistic pattern, mm-hmm. because I, because mm-hmm. that's where we're taking personal responsibility for our, our lives yeah. and our realities, because I, and then there's going to be, why? What's the story? What's the value? What's important to you here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so this, this next part might sound like, because I'm telling the story that when you show up late, you don't respect me and I really value respect. And you know what I mean? And so that's what's happening because look, in, in, when I phrase it that way, because I tell the story that when people don't show up mm-hmm. now, you can hear that that is all happening inside of me and it is not up to you. I, it's not your totally. fault that I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this way when this happens. So now I'm going to be able to invite you in. Totally. So yeah. would and you I, be willing I, to contribute to my sense of respect yeah. in, in the world? Yeah. I, and I love, I love that, um, Again, I'd like to talk about just negotiation here, that part of the negotiation isn't, it's not only would you be willing to do this thing or not, or this thing or something else. It's also maybe just help me understand how this story isn't true. Like maybe you can welcome me into an alternate reality where I see things from your perspective and then it's no longer a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because to relate this back to the values based thing. Like maybe there's another value story that is being told and we just haven't seen it yet. And so we can like step into a, another universal value and see it. Now we still might mm-hmm. want that person to, to contribute to our reality in some way. And we still might ask them for that. Um, but we also might be welcomed into seeing things from their perspective, understanding what they're valuing in the situation 
which mm-hmm. gets a little bit more complicated. The, the conversation gets a little <laughs> bit more complicated. Um, now, I, I will say I have heard people um, sort of use this would you be willing language uh, at, in a demand way. I think it's it's pretty mm-hmm. well structured so that it, it's suited to requests versus demands. But there is a way that you can use the would you be willing to where you're not leaving somebody an out. And so just my invitation to you as the listener, to me as the person speaking, for us to remember, is to check in on our motivations. It, is it okay? Am I okay? Do I, am I believing right now that I'm okay if this person says no to this request? Because mm-hmm. if not, then it's a demand. If you're, if you're yeah. telling some story that you're not going to be okay, if they say no, we've stepped into demand territory. Yeah. 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 I think it's also important to note that we have all done it. Like we've all posed a demand on other people. And the, the thing is, is it's not very resourceful, but sometimes it's really effective it will get the other person to comply. And then you, we're not always able to recognize in that moment that what we've done to the quality of the relationship by making, like creating a world where the person doesn't have choice. Yeah. And, and that's the, that is the tricky thing. And that's one of the things that we're, we're fighting against with this is because there's a reason that we use that makes me feel language. There's a reason that we use the, the demand style language. There's a reason that we don't mm-hmm. give people an out and it's because it has worked. And so our, mm-hmm. you know, in a very like sort of loving way, our, we're trying to figure out a way to get what we want in the world. And again, it's not that you're doing anything wrong with that. It's just that the, there are consequences to that sort of communication that are more long-term where we wind up in relationships that we don't enjoy as much or that we don't get as mm-hmm. much. They're not as mutually beneficial as we might otherwise like our relationships to be. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the story yeah. is to catch that language for the sake of the relationship, if that's something that's yeah, important totally. to yeah. Um, something we haven't talked about yet that I would really like to cover is how this works in kind of more of like a business realm around negotiations or sales. Yeah. So I was, that's the, I was, I love that you brought that up because that's this formula, um, this interpersonal like linguistic formula can also be used uh, when we're doing negotiation, but it's, we're going to approach it a different way. So the game is, and by the way, if you want your sales conversations to get immediately better, start thinking in terms of what is important to this person about this thing. Mm -hmm. Because what we're really trying to do in a win-win situation, in a sort of like beautiful sales conversation, what's happening is you have something that you're wanting, you're, you're wanting to experience in your world. Again, think past the goals, think past the, the facts of the goal. Okay. Because the increased revenue or the whatever, like, you know, losing weight or whatever the thing is that you're, that you're selling. Okay. Ostensibly selling the thing that you can point to, to sell. That's not actually the thing that somebody is looking to buy. What they really want to buy is the feeling that they believe that they will have on the other side of that experience. So what we're trying to figure out is what are those feelings? What are the values that this person cares about? What is important to them about what a solution looks like? Okay, and and what a discovery call is about is trying to figure out what those things are and whether or not you believe that you can contribute to that so that we can mm-hmm. be co-creative in our communication and in our interaction. And then if that's the case, if they, if you, both of you believe that they're going to experience what they're, the value that they're wanting to experience at the end of the day, now mm-hmm. we're just negotiating on price. And that's really what yeah. it comes down to. So this is the game that we're playing when we're in sales is we're, we're also approaching this from a values-based thing, um, 
lens, essentially. So mm -hmm. get curious. Um, it's going to be a lot less formulaic the way that I'm talking about this because whatever you're selling is going to be unique. You're going to have your own. Now, look, there's not that many of these values really in the world. Maybe there's a list of 120 of them or so, <laughs> you know, but what we're really trying to figure out are what what is important. And the better you get at understanding your target market, the more you'll start to understand what the values are that they're wanting to experience anyway. And you can start to jump into that language and it'll speed the sales process up. This is where we can start to like automate sales and have things mm -hmm. that are happening through copy or websites or whatever. It's because we start speaking to those values and then we'll filter people out who aren't interested in aligning with those values. Yeah. So uh, any, any other thoughts on that page? Yeah, I... Something that I hear a lot from the early stage business owners that I work with is this kind of hesitation around sales and like a fear of being seen as salesy. And I think that a really useful way of looking at this is it feels like, quote unquote, salesy and uncomfortable when two people are not speaking to the same values mm. or one person is trying to impose that this thing, you should buy it because it's very yeah, important should demand and language. they might not. Exactly. And maybe they're not even speaking to this person's values and they're still trying to push on because from that perspective, the person is the most important thing is that this person buys from me. Not that the most important thing is that it's a great fit. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that can be just a really empowering perspective. Like sales isn't bad. It's like there are ways that when it's done, it doesn't feel very good, but there are ways where it's really, really useful. Yeah. And, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head, actually, around like when sales doesn't feel good. The people who don't want to feel salesy and we I think it's because everybody's had that experience where they had someone push some value on them that they didn't really want and they just like didn't really they couldn't articulate why they didn't want it or what the mm -hmm. thing was. And so then thinking in values-based communication is going to be a lens that it's going to, A, a it's going to protect you from ever having mm -hmm. that experience again mm -hmm. with a salesperson. Because if you are clear on what your values are, you can say, all right, cool. I understand what they're trying to get me to do, mm -hmm. but what do I want in the situation? And mm -hmm. then by rooting yourself back into those values, you can feel a lot more, again, responsible for your world. And then it's like, look, I it either is a fit or it isn't. I don't have any stories about whether it is or isn't, but then yeah, you can say totally. no to the salesperson. And the flip side of that is also true. So if we're if we're focused on, the, on just figuring out the values and not convincing somebody, because I, I think that's what where the really like sort of sleazy sales feeling comes from is that like, there's this idea that you can, you're convincing somebody to want something that they wouldn't otherwise want. And that is not values-based mm. communication. So here's the thing about the values mm. and that we haven't really talked about, but they're, they are part of a person. They're like part of the person's DNA, what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is not trying to like impose a value on somebody or like convince somebody to value something. What we're doing is we're discovering the values that are already there just shining a flashlight, mm -hmm. we're hunting, we're looking for them. And then we're yeah. seeing if those values map to what we're, what we're selling. And if not mm -hmm. great, move on, go find somebody else. Cause there'll be somebody else whose values fit unless you don't have something that you can connect easily values to, which is hard to do. Yeah. But, um, so, so that's the game that we're playing is we're like, we're discovering what's important to somebody. And then we're, if we can mass, map a solution back to that, then we're, we're just negotiating on price. Totally. Yeah. I really appreciate you talking about the values-based communication. I think this is, again, just to put a button on this, 
or a, a bow on this rather. This is one of the <laughs> things that I think it is so profound. The impact of this is so profound. Once you get the hang of thinking in terms of values and you start communicating in terms of values, you're it'll increase your confidence. It'll increase the relationship quality of your interpersonal relationships. It'll increase your sales opportunities. It will reduce the friction and reduce the fights in your reality. It's just one of those things that I, I can't think of many skills and um, abilities that are more important mm. in a world that is run by humans than understanding communication from a values lens. So yeah. any other final thoughts? Yeah, just one last final thought. I wanted to just kind of provide a practical next step for our listeners. Something that you can walk away from this conversation right now and start implementing is just start asking yourself what's important about that. And start like asking people in your reality, like noticing if they're getting upset or noticing if they're getting really excited, like any of those emotions start like figuring out like, well, what's the value behind that? By just asking the question, what's important to them about that? What's important to me about that? Yeah, love that. Great practical <laughs> step. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, live your freedom, love your life. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life. <laughs>